Welcome back to Tanakhcast. This is episode 187. We'll continue in the Psalms with a brief summary of chapters 135 through 138 and follow with some thoughts about the Rastafarian experience. Psalm 135 is a call to praise. Quote, Hallelujah, praise the name of Adonai, O praise, you servants of Adonai, who stand in the house of Adonai in the courts of the house of our God. Praise Yah, for Adonai is good. Him, his name, for it is sweet. Why should we praise God? Because God has created and turns the gears of creation. God also chose the people Israel and showered blessings on them, miracles and wonders across history thus demonstrating that God is the biggest and most triumphant. If it sounds familiar, we've heard this refrain before in Psalm 115, quote, The nation's idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. A mouth they have and they do not speak, eyes they have and they do not see, ears they have and they do not hear, nor is there breath in their mouth. The praising continues in Psalm 136, quote, Acclaim Adonai, for he is good, for his kindness is forever. Acclaim the greatest God, for his kindness is forever. Acclaim the greatest master, for his kindness is forever. Who alone performs great wonders, for his kindness is forever. And like in the previous psalm, all the praise focuses on creation and the exodus from Egypt, concluding with this praise for, quote, Who gives bread to all flesh, for his kindness is forever. Psalm 137 begins, quote, by Babylon's streams, there we sat, oh, we wept when we recalled Zion. This is a poem of sadness, a dirge, recalling a tragedy and forswearing forgetfulness. Quote, should I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand wither, may my tongue cleave to my palate if I do not recall you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my chief joy. I guess the fact that these verses are so well known means that we've succeeded in remembering. The psalm concludes with a call to God also to remember what the invaders did, the Edomites who cheered on the destruction, and the Babylonians who perpetrated the atrocity. Quote, happy who seizes and smashes your infants against the rock. Psalm 138 is a psalm of thanks. The poet enumerates all the things that God did for him. Quote, on the day I called you answered me, you made strength well up within me. And the kings of the earth, if they hear God's word, will be equally impressed and thankful. The poet concludes with assuredness that even in great distress, quote, you give me life in spite of my enemy's wrath. You stretch out your hand and your right hand rescues me. And on that confident note, here endeth the lesson. It's hard to believe that we're 187 episodes into Tanakhcast, and we haven't yet discussed Rastafarianism. And I'm sure you're wondering why, what does a Jamaican religious movement slash social movement have to do with the Tanakh? Well, I bet you didn't know Rastafarianism, which began in the 1930s, is an Abrahamic religion. Rastas believe in a single god, referred to as... Rastafarianism!
Many Rastafarians also believe that Haile Selassie, who ruled as the emperor of Ethiopia between 1930 and 1974, was the second coming of Christ, and thus Jah incarnate, while others revere him as a human prophet. Selassie, who was also known as the Lion of Judah, believed that he was a direct descendant of David HaMelech, of King David, or more specifically, Shlomo, his son. According to the Kebra Nagast, a 14th century epic poem written in Ge'ez, or I guess ancient Ethiopian, which many Ethiopians regard as history, tells that a retinue of Israelites returned with Makeda, the Queen of Sheba, from her visit to King Shlomo in Jerusalem. We discussed this interaction briefly in episode 78 in the context of Shlomo's womanizing, but what I didn't discuss there was how, according to the Kebra Nagast, she had conceived the Solomonic dynasty's founder, Menelik I. As Shlomo was, like his father from the tribe of Judah, his son Menelik I continued the line, which, according to Ethiopian history, passed directly down from king to king until the 225th king in the line, Emperor Haile Selassie I. Incidentally, the Kebernagast also recounts how Menelik returned to Jerusalem and took the Ark of the Covenant from the temple back with him to Aksum, Ethiopia for safekeeping, where local folks believe the Ark still remains today. Besides being the fourth Abrahamic religion with roots in both Judaism and Christianity, Rastafarianism is also fiercely anti-colonialist, pushing back against British rule in Jamaica. The religion-slash-social movement was also influenced by the Back to Africa movement promoted by Marcus Garvey and other black nationalists. It is Afrocentric and focuses attention on the African diaspora and how Africans are oppressed in Western societies, which they refer to as Babylon. Many Rastas espouse a version of Zionism, calling for this African diaspora to return to Africa, a continent they consider the promised land of Zion. There's a strong Ethiopianist stream in the movement, especially with the proclamation that Haile Selassie's crowning as emperor in 1930 fulfilled a biblical prophecy. But by the 1950s, Rastafarianism's countercultural stance brought it into conflict with wider Jamaican society, including violent clashes with law enforcement. With the departure of the British in 1962, Rastafarianism gained increased respectability at home and visibility abroad with the rise of Rasta-inspired reggae music. What would become reggae emerged in Kingston, Jamaica, where the local bands were playing a musical mixture of American R&B, Caribbean, and Pan-African sounds. Drummers began to emphasize the afterbeat, the second and fourth beats, in unison with the piano and guitar, while the bass played walking quarter notes. This was called upside-down R&B. It was really a rebuke of the American form, which emphasized the first and third beats. It was called ska, and soon it shed its brass sound and slowed down into something they called rock steady. And around 1968, the influences of Rastafarian Africanism, along with political and social unrest in Jamaica, gave birth to reggae. With an even slower, stripped down, less pop-like sound, often with accents added on the third beat. For North American and European music fans, Bob Marley was the voice of Jamaican reggae music, but his was not alone. Peter Tosh, Bunny Whaler, Burning Spear, and the Melodians composed and sang music that reflected their beliefs. Rivers of Babylon was recorded by Brent Doe and Trevor McNaughton 
1970. The lyrics were adapted from the texts of Psalms 19 and 137. The Melodian's original version of the song appeared on the soundtrack album for the 1972 movie The Harder They Come, which, it is said, brought reggae music to the world. The song was repopularized in Europe in 1978 when it was covered by Boney M. From a Tanakhic perspective, Psalm 137 is about the destruction of Judea and the sacking of Jerusalem in 586 BCE. This was followed by the Babylonian occupiers forcibly exiling most of the Jewish population to Babylon. There was also a strong connection between this psalm and the Book of Lamentations, which also marks and mourns the same events. The imagery of the psalm is evocative. By Babylon's streams, there we sat, oh, we wept when we were called Zion. On the poplars, there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors had asked us of words of song, and our plunderers rejoicing, sing us from Zion's songs. How can we sing a song of Adonai on foreign soil? In popular Jewish culture, this psalm features at the end of meals, and the subsequent verse features prominently under the chuppah, both are meant to remind us that even in our moments of joy, we cannot forget the tragedies of the past. For the Melodians and the Rastafarian audience, the song has a different meaning. It is very much not about the past, but about the present moment and captures the Rastafarian experience. Babylon represents white supremacy and oppression of African people. It represents the police who persecuted Rastafarians for their use of marijuana. So, sitting by the rivers of Babylon, languishing under oppression, the Melodians recall Africa and how, quote, the wicked carried us away in captivity and how these same enslavers required from them a song. Quote, how can we sing King Alpha's song in a strange land? Haile Selassie is King Alpha. Later, when the Melodians pray, quote, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O far eye. Haile Selassie is far eye. In this context, Psalm 137 is transformed. It is as much a dirge as it is a call to arms for black liberation and justice. The song was initially banned by the Jamaican government because of its overt Rastafarian references and subversive message, but the group's producer attacked the government for banning a song that came almost entirely from the Bible. And then, as I said, it went on to top the charts. For us today, despite its prevalence, Psalm 137 is ancient history, but for the poet, like the Melodians, it most certainly was not. This psalm was almost certainly composed shortly after the Jews were deported to Babylon. It's clear the experience of exile is fresh and acutely painful, as if the smell of the smoke and fire still singes their nostrils. In the Septuagint, the earliest translation of the Tanakh, in this case into Greek, this psalm is subtitled a David psalm for Yirmiyahu because of a long-standing tradition that Yirmiyahu the prophet wrote all the dirges about the destruction of Judea and the temple of Jerusalem, including the scroll of Echa or Lamentations. For the poet, it was not hard to remember, so taking that pledge to remember and put Jerusalem above all joy was a no-brainer. We are in a different place. We, too, pledged not to forget Jerusalem in ruins, but it's hard to keep that pledge, especially when, for many, Jerusalem is rebuilt. Why should we be sad? Why should we hang up our instruments? We can sing Zion's songs as free guys and gals and non-binary pals in our restored homeland. So perhaps hearing the poet through the stylings of the Melodians serves as a powerful reminder to us of something else. 
but we cannot truly be free to sing Zion's songs while others are still sitting by Babylon's streams weeping. If we forget this, let our right hands wither. Let our tongues cleave to our palates if we do not remember that. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Tell a friend about TanakhCast over coffee. Send another friend an email or text, nothing fancy. Help your aunt who just got her first smartphone to download a podcatcher and subscribe to TanakhCast. And if you have a spare moment after all that, write a brief glowing review at Apple Podcasts. Apparently, it helps people who might be interested in a little Bible learning vibe this podcast. And it's also a nice thing to do. If you want to help in an even bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast at Patreon.com and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for episode 188 when we continue in Psalms with chapters 139 through 142.